0: Hello and welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge. This is Fanbyte's weekly news show that rounds up the headlines in games and entertainment one handy podcast i'm your host head of fanbite media john warren i hope everyone had a wonderful week i'm gonna get you ready for the week ahead super exciting very exciting time kind of a slow season for games but i will tell you about what's coming out next week we got some cool releases to talk about but we also had some big stories drop this week and i decided to ask axios's own Stephen totillo to sit down and talk to me about the biggest stories this week That was an amazing conversation. I could have talked to Steven for another hour, but let's get to that now. My guest this week is the former EIC of Kutaku and is now covering games for Axios. He co-writes the Axios Games newsletter, which you can sign up for. We'll probably put a link to that in the show notes. I'm delighted to have Steven Totillo on the show. Hello, Steven. Hi, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, nice to finally get to chat. This is your first appearance on a Fanbyte show. Really happy to have I you. I know. I'm
1: happy to break new ground. You guys do amazing work. So oh, I'm, thanks. I'm really happy to be
0: in this uh, esteemed company. Oh, my gosh. Well, you you also do amazing work. Uh, I want to talk about some of, of that work. Uh, you reported something very interesting this week. Um, I, I feel like <laughs> maybe my listeners are almost tired of me covering the Activision mm. Blizzard stuff every single week because – um, you know, it's just been an ongoing thing for roughly 18 months, it feels like, but, um, you, you put, you reported something very interesting this week about a brand new lawsuit to add to the pile. Can you give us kind of a high level view of the, uh, the, 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 uh, lawsuit filed in Delaware this week?
1: Certainly. And I hear you about that possible Activision fatigue. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I'll do my best to keep this one interesting, exciting, and, and maybe even a little bit entertaining, Sure, um, but I'll, I'll stay accurate as well. There, th- This is basically best thought of as a step towards what could be a bigger lawsuit. So I want people to think about this as kind of a more complicated process than some of the other ones that they have heard about. And what's happening here is that officials in New York City, specifically people who handle the pension funds, the retirement funds for the city's firefighters, police officers, teachers, I think sanitation workers as well, they're really upset with Activision's leadership. And they, in this initial action, which was filed April 26th in the state of Delaware, are basically just saying, we need you, Activision, to open up your books and tell us what you've really been doing about a bunch of things, mostly related to trying to sell the company to Microsoft. Mm -hmm. But the reason they say they want to know that is because they say, basically, we want to sue your leaders because we (laughs) think they've been screwing up a lot and costing us money. Mm -hmm. This is a very, this is, I'm sure your listeners are all big fans of capitalism. And so they're (laughs) going to love to hear (laughs) this is ultimately about money, not about (laughs) necessarily morals. It's not, it's not Um, an
0: ethical stand here. Yeah,
1: (laughs) no, but basically, uh, pension funds right that's the money you get if you retire and you are fortunate enough to be in a job that has a pension tied to it and that money isn't just sitting in a bank waiting to be paid out to retirees it's usually invested in stocks and so the people managing these pension funds they have a vested interest in the stocks being worth as much money as possible and these companies these these publicly traded companies being worth as much as possible and so there are mechanisms if you are a stockholder, let's say you own tons of stock because you administer the firefighters retirement fund there are mechanisms where if you feel that the company has been run the wrong way mm. you can go after them and so the steps being taken here initially involve going to the state of delaware to file a complaint under a, a clause of 220 uh which says we are stockholders, and you, the board of directors, need to open up your books. You need to show us the memos, the discussions that you guys have had over the particular issue we are we are we're asking about. It. in this case, the newest one is about the proposal. The proposed sale to Microsoft, right? But they say there we want to then have a, we wanted this because we want to have a, a launch a derivative lawsuit against the company. What's that? Uh, here, your readers beginning, do- <laughs> listeners beginning to doze <laughs> off already. Um, this isn't won't be the first. There have actually been others filed against Activision, and this is where shareholders basically say you leaders of this company have screwed up so badly that you've cost the company money, and so we're going to sue you, mm. the board of directors, the CEO, whoever, so that you have to pay money, but you don't pay us. It's not like I've been harassed by a company. I'm suing, and if I win, the company pays me the money, right? Because I've been the one who's been hurt. No, we are we are shareholders. We are suing you, the leaders of the company, because you've screwed up, and we expect you to pay up. And who you're going to pay? You're going to pay the company. You're going to give the company back the money that Mm. cost the money. uh, You cost them basically. And so this is so. So what's juicy about this one? Yeah. Is basically the argument. You're like, please, even get to the. No, juicy no, line. no.
0: Like to, to me, like this is what's frustrating. Is that this stuff is like all pretty juicy to me because I do love the minutiae here, and there's so yeah. much of it. Not only in this lawsuit, but all the other ones. But but no, you're doing you're doing awesome. But yeah, there is juicy component here. Yeah.
1: Cool. So 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 they're saying that they've been wanting to see the books from Activision since the fall.
0: Right. They which, say which basically. Makes sense.
1: They say this summer 2021, all this stuff broke. First, the California lawsuit about uh, pay discrimination, harassment, misconduct, and then a litany of other uh, investigations and, uh, and investigative reports by the Wall Street Journal, Axios, Kotaku, others. Um, and, and they're saying... Um, Basically, all this has come out, and and we thought in the fall that basically the problem was that Bobby Kotick, CEO of Activision, had improperly handled this stuff. He knew yeah. about the misconduct, they allege. He did not properly inform the board. You, the board, you should have done something about this. He shouldn't have you – know, he, he's basically – he failed. This has cost the company money. So we wanted you to open up your books then because we were going to sue his ass for – and maybe some of you – to get some of that money back, that derivative lawsuit right. that I was saying. They, by the way, they don't say we were going to sue his ass and the suit would be great, <laughs> but I figured
0: it's Yeah, spice that's, it up that's probably some color that someone added somewhere in that. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure. So,
1: well, I only got the public version of the complaint. So maybe in the confidential version, they, they, <laughs> yeah, they go there, but yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing not. And so they say they basically had done this, this 220 uh, demand through Delaware, which is where Activision is incorporated, yes. if I remember correctly. Um, in the fall, And that Activision gave them some of their books, opened up their books somewhat, you know, just crack, show them some of the, the back and forth uh, discussions, but not everything. And they say, look, come December, we were asking you for more. We had no idea what we found out in January that you guys were letting this CEO, who we already have problems with negotiate selling this company to Microsoft. And, he took in their minds a low ball offer and he didn't consider a better offers. He rushed the sale through. And they're basically saying, all y'all there rushed this sale because you didn't want to be on the hook. You didn't you wanted to escape your liability. You didn't want to have to face the kind of lawsuit that we were preparing that right. would have cost you forced you to, to, to pay back money. Once you guys get sold to Microsoft, we can't do these things to you. And you're basically uh, uh, trying to escape that. And so these New York pension funds are essentially racing the clock or the calendar to get what they want out of Activision. But really, if the merger gets through and there are fewer and fewer obstacles to that, they're out of time and they won't be able to do any of these things. So this could become a big deal and a bigger deal, but they also just may not have the time or they may – be f- see that when they look in activision's books they don't feel like they have enough enough ammo right. there to get them
0: yeah i mean th- this was such an interesting lawsuit because it at least uh not confirmed but it, it 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 gave some weight to the narrative that i was certainly attached to last year and then early this year with the microsoft uh purchase which was Bobby Kotick is trying to just get out of this thing as fast as he can, right? Like that, that did seem like what he was doing, even though it's a massive, massive, massive sale. It's obviously a, a high value thing and, there, and Microsoft's paying a ton of money for it. But it did feel fast and it did feel sudden. And I guess these shareholders kind of feel the same way
1: these shareholders do i yeah. mean n- 90 something percent of shareholders uh, <laughs> or people owning 90 something percent of the stock just last week approved the merger yes. and said they're fine with it overwhelmingly so, yeah yes Part of what the New York funds are saying is Microsoft's only offering to pay ninety-five dollars a share. The stock was pretty much at that before this summer scandal. You know, the the scandals came to light in the summer. So really, if you guys hadn't screwed up and mismanaged and allowed this climate of misconduct and and what have you, and then bungled the, the the response to that and been so dismissive, et cetera, and so forth, if you hadn't done all that, the stock price wouldn't have been in the toilet, and therefore. You would have been able to get a better offer if anybody could even have afforded to buy you, right. but they're saying $95 is not right. And so the, one of the words they use in the, in the lawsuit is unfit. They say mm. that Bobby Kotick was unfit to negotiate this deal. And again, remember, this is not a moral stance they're taking. This is a stance <laughs> they're taking regarding wanting to maximize the value of Activision because they see it as their duty to do so in order to keep their portfolios, their investment portfolio high so that they can pay out these pensions to the cops, the firefighters, the teachers yeah. who, who have retired in in the city of New York. So everybody's got an angle. Um, as far as Bobby Kodak, you know, I haven't spoken to him about any of this stuff, but I would imagine that he, he might argue that it was in the interest of all Activision workers and shareholders to basically get the company out of dire straits as fast as possible. Sure. And Microsoft certainly, by buying the company, has the capacity to stabilize it Stock price stabilize the stock price stabilize the, just the viability of the company long term, in a way that a a an Activision floundering amid scandal couldn't necessarily uh, do so. So that is as I'm trying to sort of be devil's advocate that might be what he would argue. Sure, um, it's just a, a huge coincidence that this deal uh with microsoft will of course net him lots of money
0: oh yeah and that's that's another part of that vote that you were talking about so we had the we the overwhelming majority of shareholders voted to to approve the sale but then they had a second yep. vote which involved golden parachutes now i want to be clear this also easily passed but the vote Not was much different yeah 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 um what, what like this lawsuit in combination with that vote you know, but, but, uh, get get your crystal ball out. I have no idea. W- where is this thing going? Or do are we looking toward do you think a fairly uh drama free uh, approvals process for this acquisition or or do you see kind of trouble in the water? First of all, can we just
1: pause on golden
0: parachute? Is that not one of the worst metaphors it's awful. going right
1: now? I know. because like if if you were in an airplane, John yeah, yeah, <laughs> and the plane's going down. Uh-huh. And I had a parachute made at gold. Yeah. And I had a parachute made out of nylon. Or
0: right, right. right. Which mm-hmm. one would you take? Would you take the golden parachute? Well, you know what, Stephen? It depends. Like you know, it's like am I falling in the ocean? Because you know, because <laughs> I'm <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna hit pretty hard. But you know what? If I survive it, then I get out of there with a golden parachute. So the,
1: where do you think the gold is going? <laughs> you land in the ocean.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's <laughs> to a, the a, bottom. It, it is a you're really tethered to it. <laughs> it's a really weird phrase. I agree. It's like it's think, it's such a bizarre. You think
1: that it's supposed to be. An ironic phrase because yeah. ah they're they're made of gold but they're really gonna you know yeah hoist by your own petard or something like yeah, that. yeah yeah but, no um, one when you deploy
0: not- it it'll fall immediately and concuss yourself so at least you won't be uh, conscious when you hit the ground I guess so
1: unless it's like if it's really thin gold foil yeah like, could it like enough of the air kind of
0: spun gold yeah. <laughs> I can see that.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe it's really thin. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, the conventional wisdom, and I'm I, I'm not able to deviate that uh, from that for you for, for yeah, then, information or entertainment purposes. Is just that the the Federal Trade Commission is the is the bec- is the biggest hurdle they face, yeah. which is that you know under uh, under President Biden um, there is a, a, at least an expectation that FTC, which has the power to block mergers. Is going to be much more skeptical, and it's chair, Lena Khan has, has said as much. Big tech mergers, she's got much more concern about monopolization, right. and so you when you'll see, as I think Bloomberg were among those reporting that um, the stock is just trading low, you know, at, at, at a certain amount these days that signals that a lot of investors don't actually believe that Microsoft is going to be able to to do the deal, and so there's a lot of skepticism in Wall Street uh, right. about the whether the deal goes through. Um, I've spoken to, uh, well, analyst Michael Pachter off quoted in the gaming world. Um, he and I were exchanging messages the other day cause I'd seen that some of his speculation was over what, uh, concessions the FTC would basically demand because they can do more than just say yes to the merger or no to the merger. They can say yes, if you do the following. Mm. So, um, yes, you must commit to keeping call of duty or even other franchises, multi-platform right. for competition's purposes. Yes, you must do x with the game pass price he actually was speculating that they wouldn't be allowed to raise it you could argue that lowering it would be the more anti-competitive thing but maybe there's some sort of price lock uh, tied to that um he told me that was sort of a guess he had but um, imagine certain stipulations or consequences on that microsoft's argument has been if you look at the global gaming industry even a combined microsoft activision does not actually represent a very large percentage if you're factoring in companies like tencent and uh, Nintendo and others, it's true they don't it, it's not close to a majority share. Right. but I think anybody listening to this podcast is well aware of the scale uh, that would ensue just from the sheer number of employees, the sure. They won't have as many employees as Ubisoft, which still weirdly has, I think, more game devs than (laughs) anybody else, but they they would be close to it. I interviewed Phil Spencer, head of gaming at Xbox, earlier this year, and that was one of the things I asked him. As I said, never before will so many game developers in the United States be reporting to one boss, because you would have the combination of... Again, just looking at the United States, you'd have developers from Blizzard's offices in Irvine, as well as I think they have Texas. yeah right. Um, you would have Treyarch and Sledgehammer, Infinity Ward, all U.S. based Call of Duty studios, Raven as well, famously. Yeah. Uh, in Wisconsin, combined with um, U.S. based studios like the Initiative or sort of making Perfect Arc. Um, I think the coalitions in Canada, so they wouldn't count in my in my scheme here. <laughs> but you have quite a few. You'd have. A concentration of developers in the United States alone, which if you then think about labor activism in the US, in the games industry, you you would have so many different possible groups that might try to organize that uh, really could all be subject to the same position that Microsoft might have regarding unionization. So let's say Microsoft gave it a green light, yeah. which I'm sure a lot of people would be into, that would allow for so many uh, unionization efforts to go through. And it's, let's say Microsoft is fighting it, which is what they've historically done mm-hmm. um, with other organization labor efforts within their company. Um, then you would have a lot of people that were all would sort of be fighting the same fight against uh, very similar uh, structures. But that's all, you know, if this, if this goes through and, you know, I mean, fans of mergers, uh, I'm sure, are obviously excited about this. I think there <laughs> is the thought that this is a particularly scandal rooted and, and embattled company that needs a house cleaning up top. So, could yeah. it get any worse? Maybe it is good if somebody else buys them. But then also, you can look at, you know, Discovery just came in and 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 bought Warner Media from AT yep. and T, and had already run roughshod over a lot of things at Warner um, when they bought when they bought Warner and then discoveries come in and they they're Already. just like yeah. swinging the axe too uh-huh. not just CNN plus but um you know they're reporting about the end of original programming on TNT and TBS yep, and uh, who knows what else so mergers tend to result in job loss you know because that's the cost redundancies that are identified right. so there are potential upsides to a house cleaning at Activision that would come with this particular deal, but also the downsides that would come with any uh, any uh, any of these things. Yeah. And then, yes, as you were alluding, there's the golden parachute thing, which the which was less uh, approvingly voted on. That would reward um, up uh, several million to many of the top executives at Activision. Bobby Kodak, I think, his golden parachute would be 15 million, and these um, are payments made under certain conditions of the exec's departure and what they're designed to do in theory is to keep the executives around through a deal um mm-hmm. sometimes people are going to bail uh, okay we're being sold i'm just going to go do my new, next thing right. and there's an, a, a thought that having continuity having leaders stick around and again look at the company we're talking about yeah, so may not I know, that. Yeah, grain <laughs> of salt but yeah <laughs> but 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 and and um Kodak has a different golden parachute deal than others. His is more lucrative, but it's actually the, the four top execs under him, the four best paid, who have one that basically says, uh, six months after the deal closes, they get a 60-day window where they can quit for any reason and um they get paid this golden parachute, these, yeah. these several million dollars. Um, which you usually just can't quit and you know, cash out your severance. Usually, you know, you have to get laid off or yep. something like that. And so this is a the special thing. It really is, uh, John, I don't know how much you uh, excite yourself with the fine print of all of these Activision <laughs> filings, but it really is wild when you scroll through one of these and you read about the compensation plan for the executives oh my there God. Yeah. or any of these other companies. And it's like, it's not just the salary. No, right?
0: no. In fact, it's, it's, in fact it's that's so usually more. the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's all very, you know, a lot of it's very conditional, but it's also very, um, just unfathomably generous about kind of what, what, you know, it's like, (laughs) I just, I I don't know about you, Steven, but it's like the idea of negotiating something like that is Mm. a million miles away from me. I have no, I'd feel dirty. I have no idea where to even begin with (laughs) some of these, these numbers and these incentives and stuff. It's, it's bizarre. Um, Yeah. We're, we're, we're talking about
1: basically, uh, you know, annual, rewards that are trick you know y- and you'll basically have like three different annual rewards that you were promised you know the one you were promised and uh or that was at least made available to you starting in say 2018 2019 2020 and right. all of them will be on the table for 2021 so if you hit your numbers whatever they have whatever criteria they're judging you on you may be making that that 2018 bonus that 19 bonus and the 20 bonus and every year you're basically being offered like another set of bonuses that you could be going for. And so you just read through this and you're like, wait a minute, it, I just read about this $2 million bonus they're getting, wait, they're also getting this one and this one and this one. Um, and, and Bobby Kotick, you know, famously pledged in October of 2021 that he would not just take the lowest possible or the largest possible pay cut that the state of California would allow, which dropped his salary from 800K to about 60K, Yeah, but that he would forgo bonuses, which was true. Like it did cost him at the time um, eligibility for millions of dollars. But you know, one of one of my favorite uh, aspects of the deal and something that did get voted in by shareholders last week, because um, it is part of the, the merger deal, yeah. is that he gets a potential bonus of $22 million uh, anytime from July this year or afterward. Microsoft has agreed to this, by the way. It's very clear that Microsoft was on board with this. If or as long as uh, a, f- a handful of members of the board of directors is a committee, the workplace something or other committee, uh, improvement committee maybe, as long as they judge that reforms have been sufficient. So if uh, members of his board say, hey, <laughs> clean up your act, here's 20, $22 way to, million. Dollars. Way to go, Bobby. Yeah. There were only two people <laughs> on that committee until uh, two weeks ago. Um, one of the people who was originally on the committee, she still is. By all accounts is a, a very nice very nice lady named Revetta Bowers. She is a longtime educator in uh, Los Angeles. She has about a forty-year career as a teacher. She teaches for the Center for Early Learning, which wow. is sometimes referred to as the Center for Earlier Materialism. If, do you know the school? Did no, you, I don't. Did you go to the school? Did I did. Okay, you are not the <laughs> child of, of Beyonce and Jay Z. Apparently, their kid, their kid, has gone to this school. I believe Jack Nicholson's kid has gone to the school. Michael Eisner's <laughs> kids went to this school. This is, uh, celebrities. This is the most elite private school. in in los angeles she she doesn't disqualify from her her from being a good teacher i've heard from students of hers who say she's quite 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 an awesome and lovely educator she became the principal of the school uh, at some point after being a teacher she left the school uh several years ago and then has been brought back she's currently the interesting the interim principal principal. they call the interim head of school why am i taking you down this rabbit hole john because fun fact fun fact is that um so remember, she's on. She's one of the two yes. you know, one of the three people determining if Bobby gets his $22 million, if they've reformed <laughs> enough. Well, she knows Bobby a bit, not just because she's on the board of directors of Activision, been there since for the last few years, earning uh, whatever a board of directors member earns. But Bobby Kotick was on the board of trustees for that school I've been telling you about wow, since 2012. Un- um, unbelievable. What <laughs> a co- left what him. a coincidence. That's <laughs> yeah. so strange. I mean, <laughs> so he's a big fundraiser for the school. He he <laughs> I, he, he Activision confirmed to me when I asked them uh, last week or so if this was a conflict of interest that she determined his his possible bonus and they sort of overlapped a lot. And they're like, "Well, he stepped down from the school's board of trustees." <laughs> okay. In, no, uh, 2020 uh-huh. or so after she joined the board of Activision. I mean,
0: I, yeah. so remember,
1: she's on the board of directors of Activision. Um, uh, more power to to her as an educator for being on the board. Um but yes, Come so on. they were sort of like, yeah. they were on different boards passing <laughs> at night uh-huh. or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Apparently they were. They, I saw that there was a lawsuit that had brought this up. I had missed this last last summer or so. It was one of these shareholder lawsuits. And they were like, they had said that that Bobby and Rukotic uh, and, and Rivera Bowers were both on the same board of another elite school <laughs> in LA at the same time. Unbelievable. Um, do you watch The Expanse? By the way,
0: I don't. I, it's one. It's on my list of things to to, to check up on, but I, I I still haven't started it. There's a spaceship in The
1: Expanse named after Rivet Powers. No way. Because one of her students at this elite okay. school went on to make the show and thinks she's awesome.
0: Damn. So. <laughs> what a what a wild what a wild life. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, God, that's so funny. I just, so yeah,
1: $22 million if uh, if they basically didn't if, if do, yeah, if
0: if, do what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah, you did number. it, Bobby. Good job. Um, maybe you can go make Moneyball 2 or whatever. Um, I go back.
1: I, last year, I was doing a lot of reporting about some of this kind of stuff related to uh, Ubisoft. Um, and uh, they... CEO Yves Guimont there has had some similar like clauses about like, if they hire more women, he gets this bonus and other. And I got to say, like, unless I'm missing something on Ubisoft's books, it is like, it's so like quaint in a way because Eve's bonuses for this kind of stuff, which I think you could raise some of the same questions about. It's like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. It's like, Oh, so cute. Yeah. Like Poppy Codex bonuses. It's just like another scale of, of, of money going on.
0: Yeah. It's, it's truly remarkable. Um, what Bobby Kotick has, I, 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 I don't know. I, I mean, I, you know, you become an unbelievably savvy businessman and you don't give a shit about uh decorum or ethics. And, and I think like you can go pretty far, but it's like the kinds of compensation scale that I've just seen with Bobby Kotick over the years has just been I'm, I'm honestly bewildering. Um, you know so i'm i'm
1: sensing i'm sensing john i'm, I'm reading between the lines <laughs> here and i feel like i'm sensing that you actually feel a little bad for bobby that when he did the when he when he took the pay cut that maybe he's been hurting a little so i, I feel wanted like, to reassure yeah. you i'm here to reassure you by the way just because I, I read i read more of their 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 fine print last week I'm, i want you to know he did not make 155 million dollars last year that was the year before okay but don't worry don't worry you get stock when you're a, when you're in a powerful mm. executive and that stock, yeah. you stock options and those options vest at some sure, point, which means yeah. then you can sell them. And I'd, I'm happy to tell you that in 2021, Bobby Kodak had, guess how much money vest in stock? How much, how much, what was the value of his vested stock? Can you uh, guess?
0: Uh, <laughs> uh You know, uh, gosh, I just hope it was somewhere, somewhere North of like 2 million. He deserves it, you know? Okay. Like two million uh, bucks. It'd higher be great. Than,
1: higher than two million. Higher than the two million? It was higher than two million. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Go up, go higher. Go, go a lot higher.
0: Ten? I hope he got ten, Stephen.
1: <laughs> no, higher, higher, oh, higher. Uh, I'll give you one more guess and then I'll just tell gosh, you. Gosh, all right. Um, maybe, maybe something like, uh, let's swing for the fences. Let me like, give you a clue. Let me give you a clue. Sure. How much did uh, Tomb Raider just
0: sell for? is <laughs> that would that I want to talk about that too. Three hundred million dollars. Two hundred
1: his uh, stock in two thousand twenty one investing for Bobby kodak valued at
0: two hundred and ninety five. Man, fuck off! So he could have he could have just bought uh, Crystal Dynamics and idos and. All that stuff for himself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, the thing about that, if you want to jump to that, is that I think ultimately it's going to cost Embracer more than that, but that's what Probably. Square willing to take for it. They had to do what's called debt financing. Well,
0: um, which, you know. And if we want to, if we want to, if we want to shift gears for a second, because that, that was another really major story this week. I mean, Embracer just adding to their, uh, very long list of owned studios and IP. They, they've just been on a wacky spending spree in the past uh, 24 months. Yeah. Um, you, Crystal Dynamics, IDOS, IDOS Montreal, these the studios were Square Enix, kind of Western properties. Um, I, I think Square Enix had a very bizarre relationship with these studios, by the way. Um, that's maybe neither here nor there. But what do you make of that price being? in my in my view fundamentally low i mean i know it was a means to an end and we can also get to that but um i was surprised by that amount
1: yeah i was was surprised that it was low too i mean what does it mean for people who play games and love games and who make games and all that um it means at least that there's somebody still willing to take a bet on the kinds of games that crystal dynamics makes so if you are a fan of single-player games uh with with high production values and what have you there what Embracer buying them as a sign that they still think it's viable. And that's been, I, I know a concern for some players over the past decade or so is, is the money that clearly can be made in multiplayer games going to make the single player game a thing of the past. Sony has obviously been entrenched in having big success with, uh, you know, s- certain kinds of third part, third person cinematic single player games. So if you play games, I think the fact that somebody wants th- those studios is a, is a positive also, if you are a fan of, you kind know, of, if you're paying attention to where kind of labor movements, if you're caring about sort of concerns for developers go and, and what have you, we do know that Idos Montreal has been the most um, uh, uh, vocal studio, AAA studio, big budget studio in terms of a four day work week and sort of changing right. how work is done. We'll see how that sort of uh, continues under Embracer, but Embracer is less of a top down management kind of thing. I mean, they're a holding company. They say basically yes. we let our studios do what they want. So, Uh, If people were worried that Square Enix might crack down on that or whatever, or if they were hopeful that 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 policy would spread to other Square studios, this this sale changes that. So I'm just trying to think of things that um, will be relevant as much to the players because I think like a risk that we take. Look, we've done so much business talk and somebody like coming in to this might be like, wait why do the people who love playing games or even reporting about games, why do they stress so much on what the executives are making? And why why do I talk about IP and Mm. all this business jargon? And so something that I always try to remind myself and catch myself is to not say refer to gaming as the gaming industry or to avoid that as much as possible, because I think we all fall into this trap of becoming, of putting the business to the fore of our discussions. And I'm saying this, as somebody who is constantly reading and reporting about sec filings and 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 putting a lot of this out there myself um but i but i tell myself it's it should be we should be writing as much about the culture at least as much about the culture as we are about the industry. We should not have money attached to everything that we think of when we think about games. So there are some game reviewers I've spoken to who talk about how their goal is to spare people from making the wrong purchase. Mm. And I think that has gone too far in terms of making too many reviews, shopping guides. And it's something that at, at Kotaku, certainly, I was resistant to people trying to interpret our reviews as a, do you buy it or not? And I tried to emphasize, no, this is about whether we think it's worth playing or yeah. not. Yeah. So, yes, there's discussion to be had over uh, the price of of um, of selling those studios. And it is it's interesting just to watch all these parts move around. Um, but I also do want to give some voice to those who may be listening to some of this thinking, you know, why are we why are we why do we spend so much time on this? And does it remove the art or even the humanity? From our, you know, from our viewpoint on things, uh, when we talk about games and I, and I find myself sometimes slipping too much into that mode. So I'm trying to catch myself here as well.
0: Yeah, I I get that. I mean, I think, I think part of the reason to your point is I like to talk about this stuff because to me, when you point out the massive disparities in you know, salaries and compensation, like we just talked about with Activision Blizzard, or we talk about things like, um, Square Enix is. This is this is my personal view. This is not a fact, but my feeling that Square Enix has, uh, frankly, mismanaged a lot of these Western properties over the past mm-hmm. few years, yeah. um, and had completely ridiculous views of how these games should perform in the market. Um, yes. Uh, also all the way down to making really bad decisions uh, in my opinion with like the Avengers and putting all this live service stuff into it Um, it, when in turn the Guardians of the Galaxy game that came out last year was like fucking great and uh, you know languished right you know as a result Uh of I think a lot of marketing confusion and and stuff like that so I I think bringing up the money and the the, the business aspects of it I do think it does help to help serve to highlight the systems that actually hurt those things that hurt the culture Mm -hmm. and hurt the art. But I agree. It's like, I, I, I think it is important to always like, you know, come back to that stuff. Um, It's just a, it's just a really odd deal. Um, And what makes it odder is that, you know, Square Enix is basically saying, yeah, that 300 mil, um, whatever that ends up being uh, we're going to, Going to shoot that right into our veins, and those veins are blockchain and AI and cloud. And they've been pretty loud about the blockchain stuff that they want to do, so it'll be interesting to see how far that goes. Um, yeah, I think
1: they say they said in their press release that they also wanted to invest just in digital
0: entertainment. Yes. So, I think
1: the so part of it is just saying we're going to put this money into games, uh, game creation. It's hard to tell. You know, when you hear about executives and you see companies talking about the metaverse, NFTs, or any of these (laughs) other buzz topics, how much they mean it versus how much they assume that the investors are excited about that. So you got to say you're doing it so that uh, and I'm saying, oh, they're, they're being drag kicking and screaming to, we don't want to mention NFTs, but we're going to do it just to yeah, make the, the yeah, yeah. stockholders happy. No, there is but some real is,
0: interest there, I, I think. I, I believe there yeah. is.
1: Yeah, yeah, there, there, there probably is. But I often wonder, though, how much they, you know, a company says they're doing something. I mean, there was certainly a lot of skepticism oh, about sure. Facebook, you know, yeah. we're going to become meta and we're doing all this metaverse yeah. stuff. And they have both poured money into it, which they clearly are doing it. But I think we have some other suppositions about why Facebook didn't want to be called Facebook anymore. Why Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> right. wanted to change the conversation, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: So. Yeah. They, they, they want know. to turn the SEO game against, uh, you know, kind of away from themselves. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: So, uh, uh, block. I'll have to give you a funny little thing about blockchain. Well, I don't know if it's funny, but I'll give you something I haven't, I haven't published yet, but just for your listeners. Ooh. So you. I was interviewing Reggie Fissime, the former president I of Nintendo of America. I was just going to ask you about him. That's got great, a great got segue. has got a book coming out. Yeah. Um, and I was asking him about console. He has a thing in there where he wishes that the um, the Wii had been, been price dropped to $99 at some point. It did. Yeah. There was something called the Wii Mini, which was a very weird system that came out uh,
0: during the Wii U era. Do you remember the Wii Mini? At I all? do. Yeah. It was bizarre. I, I what never, do you remember about it? Never. Uh, I, well, I remember it was small um but but i don't it was like a square wasn't it Isn't yeah like it, was, a like a little, it was like a little square thing but i I don't yeah. remember anything else about it except that it
1: existed i don't think it had wi-fi so it was not so that's all for 99 but i asked him i'm like is that what you meant he's like no i meant a fully featured wii he wished <laughs> it had gone down to 99 bucks because he wanted to um he was hoping it would beat the ps2 in lifetime sales yeah and so i wound up talking to him a bit about the lack of consoles going down to ninety nine dollars these days, and so when you think about who plays games, right? Gaming is still, uh, at least, big budget console gaming is still the leisure of relatively wealthy people in this country, yeah. and certainly is far less hospitable. Um, certainly, in, getting, in terms of getting newer games, is less hospitable to people who do not have, um, you know, amazing family incomes, and it is far more expensive to get entree into being a gamer through a console or through AAA games what have you use free-to-play games have opened that up to more people which mm. is why we see globally mm-hmm. free-to-play games are they're, they're just they're more widely played and mobile games because that's more accessible phones are you know ubiquitous um across class and and, and economic lines um and free-to-play obviously has the barrier the lowest barrier of entry even if you know there's microtransactions so i've just been thinking about like have there been people kind of left out of gaming by there not being these super low price consoles anymore. And that was part of what I was talking about. But but I said to him, what what do you think about kind of that? And he's like, well, I don't really have a take on whether there should still be $99 consoles. Because by the way, none of the recent consoles have ever gone down to $99. No. It hasn't happened since the PS2, I believe. Um, and he said, well, I think, and this is what I haven't, this is exclusive for you, for your listeners, okay. is that he said what, what he thinks um, will happen, or what he'd like to see happen, is a model where you don't need the console anymore and uh, it's streaming. So you may be thinking things like xCloud that, yeah. that Xbox is doing, but he says Wi-Fi isn't good enough uh, mm. right now. So he doesn't actually think that the current protocols that we have allow it, but he's an advocate for a, uh, a cloud-based model. And I wound up also talking to him about game preservation and what would be the best model does he think you know, as somebody who you know it was at a company that tried to sell you super mario brothers all again every year uh-huh. yeah. um, on every platform what does he think and he said um that he would love for it to actually be tied into something like that that cloud system and he said you know whether it's a subscription you pay for or whether you buy it once but you would have these rights that are just sort of digitally owned so you're not constantly saying i'm rebuying the game um, from the first place you either maintain the access through a sub or you're just buying it, and your digital rights stay with you. And why did I take you down this path, John? Because he then told me that he thinks that an excellent technology for ensuring that you would have the rights to this game that you downloaded and only ever needed to pay for once would be
0: the blockchain. blockchain. Yes, yeah. yeah. Which, which I mean, listen, if you're going to talk about blockchain, blockchain technologies and their Original, I guess, kind of stated purpose, right? That 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 checks out, right? That sounds good. That sounds like a good narrative. It sounds good. Sounds I, I asked, good. Him, why would you need the blockchain for that? Can't yeah, you know, I think that's a, good, way, a really good follow rights. up. Yeah,
1: and he, he, I, I did not get a satisfying answer. <laughs> but um, I mean, it, it was different than you know, you know. I think his uh, earlier quotes that were making the rounds about blockchain and more specifically NFTs yep. was his his hope to be able to sell his Animal Crossing, uh-huh, yeah. for some some money. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's like, I'm done with this. I really, I, I really need to sell my island. Thanks. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, back to your point about kind of who this talk is for, right? Who the talk about blockchain and NFTs and and, and and kind of the future of the metaverse and, and Web three stuff. Like, yeah, uh, you know, Reggie, Reggie described a problem that I think one percent of one percent of one percent of people who play Animal Crossing have. Like I, I, in no way ever, um, considered, um, I just, that's, that stuff's the farthest stuff from my mind when I play a video game. And so, you know, I think a lot of these executives or former executives have really interesting ideas about how to disrupt markets and how to, um, you know, how to give, how to give people something that they didn't even know they wanted, but often the, quote unquote benefits of things like blockchain and games describe something that I don't personally anecdotally know anybody that would be interested in. Do, do you right. get the sense that like, because when Reggie came out and said all this stuff, my first mm-hmm. thought is this guy is so well respected. Now, he did get dragged for a lot of this shit this week uh, online. Mm-hmm. He did. But he's so respected in the industry. It made me go, oh, shit, like. Now that's a now that's a person that can say this stuff, and a lot of people will listen, whether they like it or not. So does does he does him kind of coming out with this give some legitimacy and kind of ammunition to the Square Enixes of the world and the EAs and whatever that have doubled down not only in the boardroom but in press releases saying this is what we're going after.
1: It it helps that he they they can point to the former president of Nintendo of America yeah. saying this. Um what has happened in terms of blockchain gaming is that uh, there's been billions of dollars of money invested last year alone uh, yeah. Drake Star Partners which is an analyst f- a firm they they estimated that there was more than 3 billion dollars invested in blockchain gaming companies in 2021 and when you look at those investments they're for companies that you and I don't talk about or games we, we don't play their games yeah. I I'm guessing it's a lot of upstart. So a lot of what's developing in terms of blockchain gaming and NFT gaming is actually happening from outside companies. And that can have its own sort of healthy aspect to it. New ways of looking at gaming. It's, I think, any endeavor is always better when there are fresh perspectives. Um, at least, You at least get to see some new ideas. But what I feel like I see sort of um, emerging is a divide between the traditional gaming companies, which have held that kind of blockchain gaming, NFT gaming, mostly at arm's length, and those newcomer companies that are basically making that the fundamentals of what they do. Um, So you have that. And so I I look at companies like Square Enix or Ubisoft who say they're gonna do NFTs or blockchain in general, and I, or Zynga. And I question how much of this is them feeling like they need to keep up with these upstarts and they'll shed it as soon as these upstarts, Mm -hmm. you know, fail Mm -hmm. if that's happening. And, or uh, if it's a situation where, they are going to see success there and they're going to use what these outside companies are doing as a blueprint to proceed either way there's a big question as to what ultimately is blockchain's impact on gaming and we have focused a lot i think people often use blockchain and nft interchangeably but nfts which are right digital items you buy and sell are just one aspect of what blockchain can right, s- theoretically connect um but there's also what game models work the best. So a lot of the kinds of NFT game things that that come up these days involve this concept of virtual land. So before the game is even made, the developer is promising this, there's going to be a game and it's going to take place in this virtual world. And right now we're not letting you play the game yet, but we're letting you buy virtual plots of land. Mm -hmm. And so that's this weird kind of land rush thing. And does, does the game even get made after that? So those, those kinds of odd things are occurring. Um, But it could turn out to be a lot about rights management. And so maybe Reggie is onto something in saying that uh, digitally you would own things like the games that we already sort of quasi own digitally. But if we own them through blockchain, would that actually enable us to do things we currently can't do with digital games as much, which is sell them, right? Right, Because you could sell a disc game back to GameStop. You could could trade it with somebody. You had a, a little more. So I could see this turning into a thing where the rights being held on a blockchain somehow bring open things that maybe are actually more player friendly in some ways. I will be surprised if that's fully where it goes, but um just like I think it's worth being open-minded to to and listening to what people are saying yeah. um, about about some of this. Another thing to think about is that, you know, I think that putting NFTs in any game has the risk of ruining the fun of the game. And that's yeah. not an original argument. And yet you could argue that what Reggie is describing and pouring hundreds of hours into playing Animal Crossing, and I can't even sell my island, is that what he's describing in a weird way is labor, yeah. and should you be paid for your labor, how many people listening to this think of playing games as labor? And I'm guessing that if you were just playing um, – why did Wave Race come to mind as the game I was going to say? That's weird. If you're playing Wave Race, because that's what you do these days. Um, you're playing Wave Race '64. You don't th- think that <laughs> going around going around the track is is labor? Uh, I'm sure, I promise I've played some games newer than that one. That's um, a
0: that's a really good one though. I, I they got water <laughs> physics right, and like a lot did. of folks have still not gotten it right. So it's yeah, it's good. Um,
1: so you wouldn't think of that as labor that you should be paid back for, I don't think. Right. But if you are somebody who is making levels in Little Big Planet, is that mm. labor? You know, a small percentage. And then, do are you then interested in systems that that that? can compensate you for that this got weird at game developers conference i went to an nft panel where you basically had this one skeptic kind of vying or or arguing with these three kind of true believers and the skeptic seemed to be holding holding his argument better than the three of them by the way um but somebody from the audience got up and they, they they were clearly invested in making nft based games and they asked they said um do you see there being a way to associate blockchain with various pieces of code that developers are making so that an asp- if an aspect of a game really takes off, oh, wow. you would know who made that part of the code and they would be rewarded? And the the, the panel, this is one where they were uniformly against it because you had people saying, well... That would encourage people to write longer lines of code because if the scheme was tied to like the length of your code, <laughs> um, so that would be bad. Others said, "Well, gaming game development is collaborative, so how would you really give proper credit to the people who created some aspect of a game?" That where the panelists wanted to go with this was that user generated content thing that I was saying before, mm. or even the soliciting somebody. We need new music for our game. We can go to our we can go to our players and say, um, "We will invite you to to create a song for the game, and if you do, we will." you know, give you payment for it and we'll do it through a, a, a smart contract through, through, the, through blockchain. Um, but the fact that somebody was asking that question um, was interesting in terms of, you can see people are just kind of guessing at the possible applications to this. And I think for some people, to, to button up my, my contribution on this topic, so for some people, they will look at all this and they will say, uh, this is healthy. It's people exploring what can be done with new tech and applying it to uh, a very interesting and perpetually creative medium, other people will look at it and say these are people that are desperately trying to find solutions to things that are not problems. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I, I typically fall into the the latter camp, but I mean, I, you know, some applications of it I'll admit uh, intrigue me. Although, again, I think you're right. I think a lot of these ideas are. Um, Uh, you know, grasping in the dark uh, to some extent about what, what can be done. Um, But it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, it's one of, one of the the more fascinating aspects of our, our, uh, our jobs is just uh, being able to see how things change over the years. And it's just been um, unbelievably weird to see how things have changed over the past two years. And I'm sure in two years, it'll be, Even weirder. Um, Steven, what have you been playing lately? I want to wrap this up with something a little lighter. Wave (laughs) Yeah, Wave Wave 64. You already said
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I've been eager to play Citizen Sleeper.
0: I really like the
1: developer's previous game, but I have not played it yet. Maybe by the time people hear this, I will have gotten some Citizen Sleeper in. Yeah. Um, But, uh, the oh my gosh, I can't remember the previous, Into the Waters was the previous one, I think, Um, Mm. Mm -hmm. was was great. I'm probably mangling the name. Apologies. But uh, I'm very interested in that. Uh, I am, I am hopelessly into Assassin's Creed and told myself I would go back and do some wow, quests really? I haven't yet done in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm nearing the 200 hour mark, John. <laughs> maybe I've played, maybe I've played enough. <laughs> um, yeah. and I think the current destiny season is about to end. And so I was that's, thinking of catching true. up on that, yeah. but, um, I'm also just intrigued. Like we're, we're in a, a, a slow season for, blockbuster releases which is always yeah. a great opportunity to go play some indies and there's there's so many indies out there um that i had on my list that i wanted to go back to um uh, a game called raj or is it raj or Raji was on my mind of something to go back to it's a game made by developers in india do you know it oh um, I don't sort of a god of war like game but That's cool. set within the context of of uh sort of indian uh, or Hindu Hindu uh, myth, um, which was seemed pretty cool. That's very cool. Um, but yeah, there's what are you playing? What do you got going?
0: I I I played and rolled credits on an indie game called Franken this week. It's over on itch.io. It is a nice. uh, It is you can play it and beat it in about an hour, which is very fun. Um, and it's a it's a riff on like Dragon Quest, but it's uh, got a really really sharp script and memorable characters and um. I I thought it was kind of lovely. Um, been very slowly making my way through Norco, um, which is very good. It's supposed to be amazing. Yeah, yes. it's very it's very on good. my list too. I'm a I'm a, a big fan of Louisiana in New Orleans, so it's a very. Uh, I got married there. I spent a lot of time there, so it's like uh, it's an it's a very interesting and like very lived in take on that region so it's very very cool Uh, I'm replaying Disco Elysium on my Steam Deck Um, that's just such a nice like it's like a novel to read before bed Uh, how's the text size on Steam Deck it's not bad it's 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 not bad, but I, I, <laughs> I'm i realizing as I'm answering this question, um, my wife will often kind of uh, look over uh, from her side of the bed and go, yeah, are you looking at your phone close enough or are you looking <laughs> at your is are you close enough to that? Because I do hold things uh, embarrassingly close to my face. So I may not be the best judge of the tech size of Steam Deck because I don't think I, I hold things to my face in a normal way, but yeah, it, the, the- it works well for me.
1: If the folks that just did the new version of the Stanley parable had a good thread on Twitter about accessibility and this part of it was about text size. Yeah. Just, you know, it's, it's hard. Um, maybe not, not as dire a, a need in terms of accessibility as some other aspects of it, but it was, It's it, and they talk about a lot of other things, but um, yeah, it's, it's certainly one of those things where it's just like, i don't know <laughs> eyes are being killed yeah <laughs> with, with the micro-sized text in a lot of games even. yeah
0: it's a, it can be a strain um see but well, this has been a blast i could probably go another half hour honestly but uh i'm gonna let you go um what, what do you have to plug axios yeah uh, you, people, you're doing great work do don't know we
1: axios is uh, about a Five-year-old news organization, mostly known for its political coverage. If you've ever seen uh, on HBO, our correspondent, Jonathan Swan, interviewing Donald Trump, looking very confused at some charts some COVID <laughs> charts became a meme yep. that's us that's axios we got shown funny weird charts by a very uh, strange president um so there's that um but we we do we got into gaming coverage just about a year ago yeah and launched a gaming newsletter that you can get in an email form uh once a day monday to friday we also just have articles on there but you can also find me plugging all that stuff on twitter at Stephen Totillo, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-T-O-T-I-L-O.
0: And and Stephen, you are very good at uh, taking a story, condensing it into its most important parts and making it uh, incredibly readable, easy to digest, and something you can uh, regurgitate, honestly. Like that's Mm -hmm. been a... a, a, a really big deal. So that's, yeah, I, I highly recommend the newsletter. I aim for for regurgitation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know what, John, can I just, I I know we're in the wind down here, but I just need to get your reaction. Did you find out, was it, was, was I the only one who found out this week that uh, I'm Reggie and I'm here to kick ass and take names was not a line written by Reggie. Did you know that before this week that he didn't write that line?
0: I did not know that. No.
1: Am I telling you right now? Is this a Santa Claus Easter Bunny
0: moment? I'm, I'm going to have to take a moment to process this and, (laughs) um next next you're gonna tell me miyamoto didn't actually write this is miyamoto um no i uh, i don't actually know that it's a reference it. dude where did he write that this is miyamoto you, you yeah. uh, when he uh, announced the the movie the mario, mario movie is being oh that um, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm sorry no, i'm no, back no. in wave wave, wave ray 64 brain i i, <laughs> I forgot okay. about the, the last month or last week let alone the last no it's fine no um, i didn't
0: know that about reggie though that is uh yeah the
1: terrib- pr pr news <laughs> wrote, wrote the line <laughs> Uh, so yeah I, I was i was surprised i found that out this week i'm gonna <laughs> get your direction i did ask him by the way a uh, little bit of extra here um for the listeners as i asked him if uh he he uh if my body is ready it was also written by a pr person <laughs> and he said no that all that right one, he, he came up with that one he said he was trying to make miyamoto laugh during rehearsals for when they were going to show we fit and that made miyamoto laugh oh so he that's like, good. i lived it he laughed so then i i
0: That's good. That's a good tip. Well, listen, not all my dreams have been shattered. (laughs) That's good. Uh, All right, Steven. Yeah, please go check out Axios. Um, uh, The newsletter is very good, legitimately. Uh, You should definitely check it out. Uh, And please come back anytime.
1: Uh, i would love to i'm a huge admirer of fanbite and and the team and the team's mission and there are so many vital voices at at fanbite and uh, i just find that the outlet so essential so um, i'm really honored legit to to be able to be a voice even just briefly on on your guys podcast
0: that is unbelievably nice of you to say I, i really appreciate that um we will uh we'll talk to you soon okay sounds great Thanks again to Stephen Totillo for talking to me about those really big stories. I want to do some cleanup. So we, we talked about the Square Enix deal about selling off some of their properties like IDOS, IDOS Montreal, uh, Crystal Dynamics uh, to the tune of $300 million. Uh, an IP that was not included in that sale over to Embracer Group was Outriders. Outriders, if you recall, is a looter game, looter shooter e game uh, that found some footing on Xbox Game Pass, but reports this week indicate that... That no royalties have been paid out to People Can Fly, the studio behind that game, which also means that that game did not turn a profit, and there's no indication that they will turn a profit on this game. The IP did not change hands, though, so Square Enix still intends to publish DLC Outriders World Slayer at some point in 2022. But again, uh, its its ultimate fate is a little bit up in the air. Speaking of games with their fates up in the air a bit, remember that they're uh, remaking P- Prince of Persia Sands of Time over at Ubisoft. Well, the duties of that remake are moving from Ubisoft Pune and Ubisoft Mumbai over to Ubisoft Montreal. A statement they released says the following, quote, The development of Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time remake will now be led by Ubisoft Montreal, the very birthplace of the epic Sands of Time trilogy. This decision is an important step in the team, building upon the work achieved by Ubisoft Pune and Ubisoft Mumbai will now take the time they need to regroup on the scope of the game to deliver you the best experience for this remake of an all-time classic when it's ready. We want to thank all of you for your continuous support and patience throughout the development. Rest assured that we will update you on the progress in a future update. Uh, this has already been a pretty uh bizarre de- development cycle for this game. Uh, there it was it was supposed to launch a while ago. There was an infinite uh, indefinite delay. Um, there was fan feedback apparently that went into the decision to delay it, and it's being delayed by quite a bit at this point. It feels like it's not even close to being done. If it's switching hands and they're regrouping on the scope of the game, um, <laughs> what's what's weird about this one is that like we already know the scope of the game it's a remake of a game that exists already so we kind of know the scope now i guess what they might mean is they were going to add some content to it make it way 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 bigger than the original um there are a lot of ways to interpret that but it is it is fairly funny that um The scope of this game, which is a remake, again, seems to be the thing that's up in the air. Anyway, uh, the remake is coming at some point, uh, but it's projected to launch on PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One, not next-gen consoles, just as as an observation. Um, All Elite Wrestling is something I'm very familiar with. Listeners here may not be super aware of All Elite Wrestling. They're a competitor to World Wrestling Entertainment, the biggest uh, wrestling federation on the planet. AEW has been around for about three years now and they've really made incredible strides in professional wrestling. They have big TV deals, they have deep pockets thanks to its owner, billionaire Tony Khan, and a really amazing roster that, that seems to keep growing almost inexplicably with a huge Headlining names that used to headline in other places like WWE, but also are just amazing competitors that grew up in the indie space and uh, wound up in AEW. It's really great. If you're into professional wrestling, I highly recommend checking out AEW. If you haven't, uh, like I, I know a lot of people that have fallen off of professional wrestling and gotten way back in because of AEW anyway. If you know me, if you know the site, you probably are aware of this. We also cover wrestling over at fanfight.com. That's just fan, fan fight, but fan bite. It's just fan bite with an F anyway. Uh, it's amazing. Um, but they, they still haven't tackled the video game space, at least in the same way that WWE is attacking the video game space. AEW has made two mobile games. One is called Elite General Manager, which puts which puts you in the seat of Tony Khan while you create cards and, uh, you know... Do, basically manage the day-to-day of AEW in a very light simulation. It's not super complicated. And also AEW Casino, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's casino games that are AEW themed. Those are great, but they're, you know, they're, they're not what you would, Think of when you think of a professional wrestling game, you would think of things like WWE 2K22, which uh, just came out a few uh, weeks ago. You would think about Fire Pro Wrestling uh, Returns is an old one, Fire Pro Wrestling World, uh, which is a new entry in the Fire Pro series, which you can find right now on PlayStation 4 and PC. I also wrote a piece on that. It went up on the site earlier this week. You should check it out. Uh, And and, uh, even older games like Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 for the N64, WWF No Mercy, WCW NWO Revenge – you would think about these things when you think about wrestling games, and AEW has said that they're going to get into this space for a long time. They've dropped us little bits of and pieces of things, little trailers, little character reveals. Uh, it's been, I think, more than a year since we saw for footage from the game for the very first time. This week, we got a, a bit of a reveal, although I wish it had been way more revealing than it was. Over on AEW's Twitch channel, Evil Uno, which is a wrestler over there on the roster, uh, announced that the game will be called AEW fight forever. The name coming from a, uh, common chant that uh, rings out in the audience when to, when they uh, appreciate a match very much, they go fight forever clap, 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 clap. Anyway. Um, the, the the reveal this week was not a super uh, revealing reveal. Uh, they told us the name of the game, which is great, and also that it's coming to PC. Uh, it's been called AEW Console Game in almost every single press release or conversation about the game. Uh, but now we know that it's coming to PC, which I think is great news for folks because the PC landscape for video games is a little tricky right now. So I think that'll be really cool. But other than that, they just kind of showed off two new characters. They showed Chris Statlander. They showed Nyla Rose. They look great. But to my eyes, this game kind of doesn't look all that good. There's a weird hit stop when uh, any two uh objects are about to interact with each other, which is kind of jarring and probably shouldn't exist in a uh in a, a modern wrestling game. Um, but yeah, it's uh it, it it looks interesting. I hope we see more coming soon. Uh there are rumors. Um Kenny Omega is a wrestler, a very popular wrestler that is taking time off right now uh to nurse some injuries, but also is is working with Ukes, the team that uh, had been making the WWE 2K games up until uh, this entry. They left... WWE to basically make this AEW game, uh, there are rumors that Kenny Omega and Ukes are not totally getting along and seeing eye to eye about the progress of this game. Um, We also haven't seen any modes. Like We've only seen uh, really quick flashes of in-ring action of these games, and that's not enough. We need to see customization. We need to see different modes. AEW does gimmick matches, which is to say matches with some sort of uh, hook, like a ladder match or a cage match like we just haven't seen anything like that in aew fight forever yet and this game is supposed to come out this year it's rumored that it was supposed to come out in a september 2022 window this game looks in no way like it's going to make that window uh so we should hear at some point in the next few months that this game is being moved to the 2023 release uh calendar so Anyway, that was a long segment. I'm just really into these games and I'm, you know, i kind of expected to have more to actually share this week because we knew that this reveal was coming. Uh, But unfortunately, we didn't get a lot of meat on that bone. Uh, Hopefully we will at some point soon. I'm going to wrap up this segment uh, by talking about uh, Bungie, and Bungie did something very interesting this week. They wrote a long blog post, uh, and they uh, linked to it with a tweet that said, "Quote: Standing up for reproductive choice and liberty is not a difficult decision to make, and Bungie remains dedicated to upholding these values." Bungie is referring, of course, to the monumental news this week that the Supreme Court of the United States is uh, soon to be uh, deciding. To reverse uh, Roe v. Wade, which is a landmark case in the United States basically upholding uh, the, the federal right uh, to reproductive health and abortion care um, in the United States. It's basically allowed for uh, states where it would be very, very difficult to pass this on a state level. Uh, it has allowed abortion to uh, to be legal there. Uh, although, of course, these states have been making it hard on people for many, many years. And now, because this will probably happen, even though it's not official, official yet, uh, they have yet to release the actual um, uh, the actual ruling. It's just been leaked, which is also unprecedented. Um it's now gonna be very hard and this is going to be a, a, a big fight for rights um, countries like ours in the United States don't typically go backwards like this um, we've had 50 years of a federal protection and it's going away and I was happy to see that Bungie and a few other places have just come out and said that this is something that they uh that they hugely disagree with and they want to uphold reproductive rights and access to abortion and I definitely appreciate that uh, just for the record I think that is amazing and brave and awesome uh, to uh, take a corporate stance on something like this. Um, My plea to you at home, dear listener, um, especially if you agree that this is a scary time and something that should be fought against, um, find your local abortion fund. Um, Figure out what that is. Mine is the Arkansas Abortion Support Network um, because I live in Arkansas and that's the one that's close to me. Find the one that's close to you. There are national funds that, of course, are uh, helpful to find and donate to, but honestly, a lot of boots on the ground local stuff is really going to be the difference maker going forward. Um, especially if you're in a red state. So, um, this is not just a red state, blue state issue. I need to make that very clear too, but, um, yeah, especially if you want to do something, find your local, um, abortion fund and please give generously. Uh, also please you know participate in marches and protests uh, when you are able. So um, anyway, big thanks to Bungie and and some other companies that actually uh, stood up for this and and hopefully we'll continue to be loud about it as this country gets scarier and scarier to be honest. but we have each other that's what matters um we can get through this stuff together uh, but it's not easy and uh we're going to going to have to use all of the energy we can muster um all right but that's going to do it for this week's uh, other story segment let's talk about the uh the games that are coming out this week there's also some new stuff to talk about on xbox game pass uh but first uh let's talk about may 10th we got four games coming out on may 10th that should be on your radar one is Ayuden chronicle rising we talked a little bit about that on last week's show this is the action rpg that is a companion piece to Ayudin chronicle which is from the folks that made sweet Coden. Uh, so this is the action game. It's not the it's not the uh, it's not the suikoden like uh, roster building, base building, um, political RPG that's coming out eventually. Uh, this is an Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC action RPG. Again, coming out on May 10th. I'm definitely going to check that out. Uh, Salt and Sacrifice, which is the uh, follow up to Salt and Sanctuary, uh, coming to uh, PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, and PC on May 10th. This War of Mine Final Cut. Is coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and S on May 10th. Unpacking, which is a a really fun little game, coming to PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 on May 10th. So if you haven't played it on uh, other platforms yet, this is your chance to pick it up on PlayStation. Uh, And then on uh, May 13th, we have Evil Dead, the game... Coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Uh, That's uh, exciting for all all you uh, Sam Raimi heads. That's a Saber Interactive uh, action game joint. So like Ash, if you shop S-Mart... Maybe you should pick up Evil Dead, the game. Um, yeah, so some decent games. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to, to try those indies uh, that are coming out this week. Um, and let's talk about Xbox uh, Game Pass. Uh, you already know probably that and Sleeper and Trek to Yumi are two games, two indies on Xbox Game Pass right now that you should check out. They just came out. Uh, Trek to Yomi, I've heard uh, pretty good things about, uh, and Citizen Sleeper, I've heard very good things about. Uh, I'm excited to get my hands on both of them. Uh, we also have Ropa 2 Goodbye Despair Anniversary Edition coming on May 10th. Uh, this War of Mine Final Cut is also coming out May 10th, so a lot of the stuff that I just talked about, you can grab on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, I think we knew about some of these, but I'm going to go through them anyway. NHL 22, I think that's a new entry. That's on May 12th. So if you haven't played the new hockey game, we're right in the middle of the NHL playoffs. Uh, really good game so far. If you're wanting to scratch a hockey itch, uh, you, you can, you'll pick, you'll be able to pick that up later this week, uh, which is super exciting. And floppy nights is coming on May 24th. Uh, the rest we, we knew about loot river. That's already out hard Space Shipbreaker, That's at the end of the month. Sniper elite five. That's also at the end of the month, but good stuff coming out for Xbox game pass. Um, in terms of what I've been playing and watching, I, I, I've gotta, i got to I want to talk to you about a couple of things. Um, I really liked the game Franken. Franken is a very short. I beat it in about an hour uh, RPG, and you can play it right now on itch.io. It's free. Uh, you should also probably throw a few bucks to the creator. Um, I also have a piece up on the site about this game. You can go read it. Uh, I talked to the creator. Um, and uh, she was gracious enough to ask answer some questions for me, uh, which is wonderful. Um, it's a really cute game. If you like Undertale, if you like kind of quirky characters and um, really smart writing and, and, and funny, funny dialogue, uh, this is a good one. And it's real breezy. Like I said, you could probably beat this thing in half an hour to 45 minutes. Uh, I spent a little more time with it than I think your average person. So, it, you know, about an hour. Um, I really liked it. So if you want to know more about that game, you should definitely go read my piece. Uh, But yeah, that's that gets a high endorsement uh, from me this week. Um, Also, (laughs) I'm shocked to tell you this, folks. I really, really liked the new Doctor Strange. I make fun of Doctor Strange a lot and how he is an American surgeon with a very believable American accent. Um, I thought Sam Raimi's take on this character in this world was great. It's the best MCU movie I've seen since Thor Ragnarok. Um, that's not, I don't think that's like a, a a coincidence either because I feel like Taika Waititi and Sam Raimi are maybe the only two directors that have gotten to kind of get into their bag while they direct an MCU film. So Taika Waititi's, you know, uh, commitment to, uh, comedy and comedic beats and also just kind of emotionality of interpersonal relationships that seems believable and not super forced uh that really shows up to me uh in in Thor Ragnarok and probably in the upcoming Love and Thunder Sam Raimi's uh obvious mastery of horror elements uh and also art design and things that he's been really known for um really show up in dr strange in the multiverse of madness i mean they really show up this is a sam raimi ass movie that ended up in the mcu and some people really haven't liked that for whatever reason i've read some takes that um obviously they're entitled to them but i just don't see it i think like if you're gonna get big directors in to direct an MCU movie. The MCU is so tired right now. It is so exhausted. It is, it is almost completely bankrupt of good ideas. We've seen directors come in like Chloe Zhao and I mean, I'll frankly make one of the worst movies I think I've ever seen in Eternals. That movie is terrible. Um, I don't think that's totally her fault, but like she didn't have her stamp on that. I don't think. And a lot of directors that get their hands on an MCU project, kind of end up don't really having a lot to say. I feel like Sam Raimi had a lot to say, and this movie also bucks a lot of convention in the MCU, and I won't go into detail and I won't spoil anything, but I really feel like this was a a breath of fresh air that it needed. I went on Twitter. I said something kind of offhand that kind of blew up, but I'm going to stand behind it, even though it's going to mean different things to different people. I think Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is the last Jedi of the MCU. Take that how you will. Um, I just mean that it's a good movie that kind of spits in the face of some of the worst impulses of the MCU. I really appreciate it. I fully expect most of this stuff to be undone or at least uh, turned upon because I think whenever anybody does anything interesting, remotely interesting with a massive interconnected universe like this, uh, someone gets antsy up the chain and changes stuff. But in the meantime, you should go see the new Doctor Strange because I think it is a cool new direction for a lot of what we might see in the MCU. And if they run with it, uh, I think I'm going to really enjoy the next phase instead of being terribly, terribly exhausted by most of it. Anyway, that's my recommendation for this week. And that's going to be a wrap for us on this episode of TFTK. I want to thank my guest, Stephen Totillo, for dropping by, talking about everything from Reggie fils book tour to the big act blizz news. I know some of y'all are probably tired of it, but it's, it really is a seismic story. Sometimes I wish we could just ignore it, but we can't. It's, It's wild how deep this thing goes. It's one of the biggest companies in the world gotta cover it and steven helped us fill in some gaps beautifully if you want to follow steven over on twitter you can do so at Stephen totillo that's steven with a P H. totillo t-o-t-i-l-o uh, and uh, sign up for that axios newsletter i'm, I'm serious it is a very very well written newsletter it goes to your inbox uh every week and it, it is easy to regurgitate a lot of the stuff steven makes that stuff pretty easy to digest uh you're welcome back anytime steven uh if you want to follow Paul, our excellent producer. You can do so over at Polly Mayo. Thanks, Paul, for all that you do. Paul also produces other podcasts on this network, along with Jordan Mallory, our other producer. You can find all of those at podcastnet.work. Uh, we, we have a, really, a lot of really good shows. Uh, Friends Reunion is a comedy show that I'm on. That is a blast. Um, we've also got 99 Potions, which is a long-form discussion. If you enjoyed some of the details of the uh, the uh, Embracer group purchase of those Enix assets. Our entire episode this past week was about that purchase and what it means for RPGs and those companies as a whole. It was really great. You should go check it out. Um, yeah, but all of our podcasts are amazing. I also have, we also have a Twitch channel. I have, I have a Twitch channel. It's not just mine. It's so everyone's at the site twitch.tv slash fanbite I host a show every Tuesday morning it is a companion piece to this show we talk about the news in the early week we play some games we have fun uh, it's called Tuesday morning the show and it's over at twitch.tv slash fanbite Tuesday mornings at 10 30 eastern a.m. Uh, I have a lot of fun putting that together every week so check it out uh, ooh, that's, uh, I think that's going to do it I think I've hit all the bases and uh, you know what until next week You're welcome.